Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday morning, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my latest leadership book. It's called You Have the Watch, and it's available on my website and on Amazon. In fact, it's already a number one new release and a bestseller on Amazon. I'm really excited about this book because it's not actually a book. It's a guided journal for leaders that will take you through an entire year of leadership training. There are 50 themes in the book, and each day you'll reflect on a different facet of that theme. This journal is designed to be on your desk at work for you to read and reflect on for about 15 minutes each morning. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them, and this journal helps you practice those skills. So if you're interested in this guided journal, go to youhavethewatch.com or Amazon and pick up your copy today. If you're looking for other ways to support what I do on this show, purchase any one of my books at johnsrenny.com. Podcast listeners can use the discount code DEEP at checkout to get additional savings. Well, that is it. Today, my guest is Heather Henry. Heather is a practicing Queens nurse, entrepreneur, and author. Now, what is a Queens nurse? Well, that's an interesting topic that we dive into in this episode, Heather is focused on providing real-world leadership guidance for nurses that they can use throughout their entire career. As it turns out, leadership guidance for medical professionals works very well for business leaders as well. I got a lot out of this discussion, and I know you will too. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Heather Henry. Heather is an award-winning practicing Queens nurse, entrepreneur, and author. She is the founder of Breath Champs, a community interest company that aims to improve the life chances of children and young adults with asthma. She is the author of a new book called Be a Leader in Nursing, a practical guide for nursing students. This book provides real-world leadership guidance for nurses that they can use throughout their careers, from the first moments of student placement to effective leadership as they take on more and more responsibility. And I'm excited to have her on the show and talk about this topic. So, Heather, welcome to the show. Hey, John. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to meet you, and I'm excited to talk about this. As I mentioned uh, before we started the show, my mom was a nurse, so I grew up in that environment. So I know a little bit about what's, what it's like to be a nurse only from my mom, so uh, so I can relay a little bit. But I'm excited to talk to you about this. Uh, and, and just to start us off, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, and one thing I think to to be nice would be good is to explain what a queen's nurse is for our American listeners because that's the first <laughs> time I've heard this expression. So you're all curious, huh? Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, I was born and brought up and nurse here in Northwest England. Um, my I come from a, um, a, a, a mill working background because here in the Northwest it's pretty rainy. So we um, spin and weave cotton. So my grandmother was a weaver 
Um, I'm very Lancastrian in in that way. Um, and um, yeah, I train as a nurse. Uh, oh, um, I'm based here in Sale, which is about a couple of uh, miles from Manchester United Football Club, for those of you who are fans. Yes. That's where we are. And uh, yeah, I trained as a nurse and then a senior manager, director in uh, the National Health Service. And yeah, I became a nurse entrepreneur. I know we'll get on to that. Um, but I've always been influenced, uh, interested in influencing national uh, policy um, around health and around nursing. And more recently, I became a writer. Um, what's a Queen's nurse? Well, yes. <laughs> uh, back in the days of Queen Victoria, um, a Queen's nurse, the Queen's Nursing Institute, which is the world's oldest charity, fun fact, uh, it was given its royal warrant by Queen Victoria um, because the, the Queen's Nursing Institute was the organisation that trained nurses who nursed in the community. Mm. And these days, our role is to show quality and leadership in nursing outside of uh, hospital settings. So we're here to champion the idea that uh, health is made at home and hospitals are for repairs. So I'm a huge champion of that. There's about a thousand of us in England, there's about 200 and odd of, of us in Scotland, Queen's Nursing Institute, Scotland. And we do lots of things like this. We do a lot of speaking out, our opinion is sought about all things community. Okay, excellent. So, so you're very rare. So it's a, it's a, you're a rare person to have on this show. Then it's one of one of the few. <laughs> <laughs> very rare, but it is no surprise really that we make our way to places that perhaps others don't reach. Oh, that's fantastic! I, I love this. And so, I was going to talk to you a little bit about your career. When when I was looking, you know, you started you started as a as a nurse in practicing nursing, and then you found your way moving up into more management and leadership roles. Uh, you transform yourself from a doer to a leader. When did you, how did you see that shift occur in your career? And why did you see yourself leaning more towards the influence, as you mentioned earlier, influencing versus just uh, being a doer more towards uh, the leader and the influencing side? Oh, yeah. Well, I've got to say that my understanding of leadership and how it might have differed from management for many, many years was particularly poor. So my becoming a leader and being seen as a leader is is um, was a bit of an accident, shall, shall we say. Yeah, I went up the traditional um, career ladder and um, uh, I started off in uh, leading within communities, as we might expect. I did my hospital nursing and then I went to work in a general practice, a, a doctor's office, I think you might call it. Um, in the days when uh, our GPs, our general practitioners, didn't really um, uh, uh, employ a lot of practice nurses. So it was a little bit sink or swim. This is in the early 90s. Um, and I went from there to support um, general practices to employ nurses. So I think that was probably what I might have seen as a leadership position. Uh, kicking general practitioners under the table when they were interviewing nurses and, and setting standards and um, uh, developing training practices for my colleagues and things like that. I, I guess I've always been a supporter of the underdog. I think that's um, probably me. 
Um, and my development was through the uh, Open University. I did my master's in business administration through the Open University, one of the finest inventions ever, um, enabling people to develop no matter where they are in life. And um, then I was made redundant, compulsorily redundant when I was at board level. And uh, let, it's fair to say that I have always uh, thought differently about things. And in the NHS, I was either promoted for that or sometimes I got into trouble for thinking differently. Yes, I think it's more valued now in the National Health Service than it was. Mm. But at the time, I could be seen as slightly disruptive. Um, and uh, I, at the time, I was... Um, uh, seconded uh, to an organization for innovation and improvement um and um at the same time i uh, joined a national body uh, which was led by general practitioners although it had all sorts of people in it to try to influence um the um nhs england our policy and strategy bodies around the importance of uh, healthcare in the community and um, yeah, that sort of led me on to other things <laughs> in my life, which I'll probably get onto. Well, it's interesting um, that you said you're you were a disruptor, and uh, you know, as a as someone that is not the leader, you know, being a disruptor is sometimes can be annoying to leadership and management when you've got someone that's always asking those tough questions. And but it's funny because I always say that those people that you find that are doing that ones, even that are complainers, complainers or challengers is they actually want to see things get better. And so I tend to listen to those people a little bit more because they tend to be the ones that have the ideas and they want to see things improve. Uh, and it's interesting to, to, to hear you say you were a disruptor and you probably had to go find a place where you could be disruptive and, 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 and where that was valued versus where you were in, at the other location. Yes, that's right. You would know um, as, as a leader yourself that it's useful to have different voices within your team. Diversity is really important. I think um, here in healthcare in the UK, we appreciate that now, but there were times in the past where that perhaps didn't happen. I, I can imagine, yes. <laughs> so so you, you took, and this is really neat, you took an entrepreneurial path. You, you call yourself a nurse entrepreneur, which I think is really cool. And uh, you had one organization and now you're, you've got this other organization. Is it two that you've formed in your yes. career? Okay, yes. yes. I have two companies. Okay. So originally, um, I received a redundancy payment, and I didn't go out and blow it. <laughs> I just saw that as a safety net to do what I wanted to do, mm. what I thought was the right thing um, to mm. do. Um, so my redundancy gave me freedom. A lot of people talk about um, redundancy as as being an, a, an ability to think uh, to go in a different direction. That was certainly happened to me. I was on to comment at the time to um, a national a national body in the NHS with, that was dealing with innovation and improvement. And I ended up on a national programme. I was trying to avoid redundancy by going on to comment. Didn't quite work. <laughs> and um, But I, it was the national programme on health inequalities. And uh, it was a sort of flag, flagship project. 
And um, I met some amazing people. I was working right across uh, England at the time, various parts of England. And I met a, a health visitor. You don't have health visitors, but basically a public health nurse. And um, she had helped her community to transform itself. She's called Hazel Stutley. And you can see her speaking on TED if you want to see her work. And when I met her, I recognised a kindred spirit in terms of how she enabled communities to uh, become better. And she didn't nurse them. She just gave them the space and the ability and the voice to actually organize themselves because you have a lot of community organization over in the US. You had it, I think, before we did. And um, I apprenticed myself to her and started off as um, a consultancy at first. That was my first business and basically hiring myself out as a manager for hire until I realized that I could probably get work doing what she does um, going into communities on supporting them, the, the most disadvantaged communities, and seeing if I can help them to transform. And that's what I did. It was really very hard, <laughs> I've got to say. And, yeah. and the bread shops came much later, but well, I'm sure we'll get on to that. So you spent, uh, you've been, you've had that business for a long time then? Yeah, 2011, I came okay. out of the health service. And um, I set up the business because it was an employment vehicle for me um, initially until I discovered that um, I could um, sell my ability to think differently. I call myself a nurse entrepreneur to be slightly disruptive um, because so few nurses, certainly in this country, would use that title. And why can't nurses be entrepreneurial? There are lots of us, but they will say they run a beauty business or they've opened a care home. They they wouldn't really call themselves entrepreneurial, but they are. Mm. You know, it's interesting you say that you were a bit of a disrupt, disruptor. We might even call it a maverick over here. And <laughs> you went in your own direction. You, you, you put up a sign and said, this is my company. I'm going to do this my own way. Um, do you feel that that part of your personality, whatever that is, whatever, however you're wired, made you successful as an entrepreneur? Just the idea that I'm going to do things different and I'm going to set my own path and I'm going to be a disruptor. Did, do you think that has um, led to success in, in as being an entrepreneur? Um, I, I didn't set out to be disruptive. <laughs> I, I, When I joined um, the NHS Alliance, which is the national organisation that I eventually came to chair, um, I went because I was passionate. And and I see this a lot in nurses and in nurse leadership. They don't realise that they are leading. Um, They are passionate and they are value driven. And that's what I am. And if I disagree politely with NHS England or Public Health England or anybody else, um, then I will, as politely as I can, explain why. And um, that has um, attracted people. Sometimes I'm seen as one of those inspirational leaders, oh goodness, which I don't like to think of myself as. My my job is to champion the underdog Mm -hmm. and to give them voice. Uh, but I usually say that I start off at the front and end up at the back. So mm-hmm. I'll maybe start the conversation and then as soon as possible, I'll try and put the people 
that know best. Um, so I've worked with fathers facing disadvantage or certainly children who've had uh, bad, bad respiratory problems, which is my current thing, towards the front. And I'll try and um, leave them to it, support them, give them confidence. The only thing I inject these days as a nurse is confidence for those communities. That's how I see it. But that's just yeah. So I don't I don't deliberately go out and be disruptive, um, but I am the daughter of a hairdresser and a salesman. So I think it's you know <laughs> I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but I think there, there's something there in terms of leadership. The idea of starting the conversation and then and then you know letting other people shine and sort of going in the background and, and make sure that you're there to coordinate, facilitate, remove barriers, but let let. Let the people shine. Let the experts shine. Let the people that know what they're talking about shine. Yeah. That's a great leadership trait, right? Just in, in and of itself. That's right. Yeah, I kick the door in for right. people. I literally do. People will want to talk to a queen's nurse you know, if they know what they are, um, uh, or the chair. When I was, saying, oh, let's talk to the chair. I don't really. I'm not the person, am I? You know, it's what Simon Sinek says in his famous TED talk. You know, um, it's um, it's not being in charge. It's about caring for the people in our charge. Well, I'm not technically in charge of various people in communities, but I I can give them voice, and then I have to shut up. Yeah, that's so powerful, though. I mean, part of the job of a leader is to give people a voice. I, I just love that. That's fantastic. So uh, tell us about what you're doing now with um, Breath Champs. What do you do there and uh, how are you helping young adults and children with that? As a child, I had uncontrolled asthma. I say uncontrolled because the medicines back then weren't mm. very good. And I grew up to be a very underconfident nervous, um, anxious child. And I still carry those anxieties with me today. What you're seeing today, John, is basically an impression of my father, um, who was the big go get, go get your salesman. Uh, and I have copied, I copy his um, style. Much rather not to be doing many of the things that I do, but I'm forced by what I see. Mm. And I had a bad time. And nowadays, I, I was working in a, a little town called Eccles, um, not far away from here, um, um, which has its uh, problems and ended up faced by children again with asthma. And I saw in every one of them myself. And things were really not much better for them. For different reasons, a lot to do with air pollution, I've got to say, air quality. Um, and so I started um, asthma parties with those children and their families in a local school and a church hall to see if we if we could learn together about asthma in fun ways. And then took that into uh, eventually after doing a lot of testing, took it into um, a company. Um, which I started just before lockdown over here with the pandemic. Great timing. Then, of course, Perfect. I had to open it up to adults as well because of the pandemic, because uh, everybody was worried about their lungs. I have always had a terrible time with my lungs. Um, I ended up having most of my right lung removed at um, 21 years old. So I've been pretty breathless in my life. 
And um, yes, so the company is about um, helping people and communities to share what they know with me um, about breathing because I I practice a strengths-based approach. So um, I don't nurse people and meet their needs anymore. I see people as having strengths and skills and that if we all work together, we can produce better outcomes. So yeah, uh, just today I was in town um, doing uh, an exercise where the children were decorating little cotton bags where they can put their inhalers in things. And we were doing mass um, demonstration of inhaler technique uh, right in the middle of town. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, it was well received by by my town sale because I'm trying to make it a country's first breath-friendly town or asthma-friendly town where we all look out for each other. I've no idea whether this will work, but you've got to give it a bash. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. I love what you're saying and I love what you're doing because what you said, and I never really thought about it too much, was the um, the effect of having asthma as a child and how that affects you over your lifetime in terms of confidence and I'm different than other people and, and all these things. And so what you're doing is saying to these children and these young adults is you're you're not different. There is plenty of other people like you and who let's learn from each other. Let's let's share best practices. Let's show that they're not alone in this, in this struggle. And I, and I really like that. And, and, and that's, and that's, uh, that can be powerful, especially for young people and to give them confidence and say, okay, well, I have this condition, but it doesn't make me, it doesn't limit where, where I, where I can go in my life. And, and that's what I think is powerful about what you're doing. Yes. There's a, there's a big emphasis in certain, certainly nurse leadership around authentic leadership. Mm. to being able to share your story, to be able to share your weaknesses and your failures um, as much as your successes. So I go to a pretty hard, pretty tough school um, up here in Northwest England. And, you know, I've got 14 year olds, tough crowd in front of me. And I want to ask them if they will volunteer and, and help me. And I tell them my story. I've not told it all here, but it was pretty horrible when I was uh, in the first few years in my life and think that they would completely diss me. And then when the teacher asked how many would volunteer to work with me, I got about half of them to say that they wanted to work with me. And I think that is the value of authentic leadership. Yes, absolutely. You seem real 
and relatable when you're, you know, you're not perfect. You're, you're, you know, you know, we, we always say, you know, as leaders, we want the perfect employee. Well, we know that there's no such thing as a perfect employee, but there's also no such thing as the perfect leader as well. So when you share your, your scars, your bruises, and, you know, the, the struggles you've had throughout your career, you become real to people and relatable versus the perfect boss in the corner office that's never made a mistake in their lives, right? And I think that uh, I think that's really powerful. Authenticity, being real, being genuine, and being showing all of your battle scars is, I think, the right way to approach leadership and something. Certainly, I certainly uh, advocate as well. So that's 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 good to hear that you're doing very doing similar things and finding uh, success with that as well. So at least relating to people, especially fourteen year olds. That's got to be fourteen year old girls, which is hard. Oh, they were boys. They were all boys. Oh, they're boys too. Part of, uh, yeah, army cadets. Ah, okay. They have an army cadet um, detachment in the school. Yeah. Um, And um, I thought I would get no audience with them, really. And I was wrong. Yeah, that's great. I think a lot of it was because I told my story. I think that's great. So let's talk about your new book, uh, Be a Leader in Nursing. Why did you write the book? And it sounds like who it's for is for the nurses, uh, for nurses. But generally, who do you expect the audience would be for this book? Yeah, I was approached by the publisher, Elsevier. I'd already written a chapter for a a book for charity um, from the the troupe that I uh, am alongside, which is uh, general practice nursing, how to survive general practice nursing, because it's still quite and uh, I was specifically asked would I write it for um, nursing students so this is entirely for nursing students and why well first of all there is no book on leadership for nursing students can you believe that John? I can 100% believe that (laughs) it's Um, sad because leadership is left out of many um, uh, programs of of study and I, I, I have a lot of degrees myself engineering business and and leadership was never part of it. So it was just sort of left out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, what the National Health Service was noticing was that students were doing three years undergraduate and then they were registering and then finding that then that not only did they have to cope with being the registered nurse, that they also had to cope with leading and not having any training in it. Hmm. And so um, Health uh, Health Education England and NHS England were saying, well, basically, and the other three nations of the UK, not not just England, um, we really need to put this education into undergraduate nursing studies. And at the same time, um, the same charity I mentioned, the Burdett Trust for Nursing, uh, which is huge here, Um, worked with um, the Council of Deans of Health. So all the universities that train people in in healthcare um, come together and they did a three-year programme, which is still ongoing, called 150 Leaders. And they were um, recruiting nursing students and other uh, professions allied to medicine, like uh, physiotherapists and radiographers and dieticians, and putting them through an education programme And at the same time, our um, regulator, the Nursing Midwifery Council, were um, defining the um, proficiencies in uh, leadership. So I I wrote it around all of that uh, to be a written guide, 
really. Why, why, uh, you know, why do why do you write a book on leadership for, for nursing students? Well, we are the biggest profession. <laughs> yes. There are just around, uh, just under 700,000 nurses in, uh, in the UK. So, um, and we play a big part in shaping health and care, but we can be overlooked. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, as as I share, you know, my mom being a nurse, and and so you know, when I talk, think about her, you know, as I was a you know a young boy, young adult, I you know, she had some bosses that were great, and then others that were completely frustrating. And 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 like you said, there wasn't really an emphasis on leadership training, and so nurses, you know, moved up the chain, and then they became you know, you know, a team leader or or a manager, and they didn't really have the skills to to be in the leadership role. So they were trained to be a nurse, and then they end up in a leadership position, which is a, it's, it, you know, I always say it's leadership skills are a different set of skills. It's not difficult, but but you have to know how to apply those skills. And we sort of forget about, we just assume we give you a title and figure it out. What you're saying is that, no, you've got, there's a way to, there's a process and you should be learning these skills before you move into this, into a leadership role. And I think that's, and like you said, there's a lot of nurses out there and there are a lot of nurses in leadership positions that have never been trained or uh, shown the way on the proper way to lead people. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So a question for you is, um, what would you say would be some unique qualities that nursing leaders would have to possess versus maybe a business leader or someone someone like me that leads a manufacturing company, right? I, I make parts, you know, and I have people, I have a manufacturing plan, I, I make parts, uh, but I don't make people, I don't repair people, I don't, uh, I'm not doing bedside, I, you know, I just, it's boring, I make boring parts. So what's the difference between like a, a nursing leader and like someone like myself? Yeah, well, I would say there's a there's a huge overlap in the competencies between business leaders and uh, nursing leaders. Um, let's not forget or be shy that um, healthcare is business, and, and the US knows that more than the UK. Um, but we, we do. have a lot of uh, competition and privatization, which many of us are not very happy about, um, and. Um, so it's a difference in emphasis. And I think over the last few years, especially since um, the pandemic, uh, we've come out with much more, the you know, sort of central policy and strategy bodies have come out with much more around uh, humanizing um, the health system. Um, there's been quite a few high profile failures in, in leadership because um, of the pressures, um, targets, and etc., has meant that the, the the human part has gone out of uh, health and care, and um, so I would say that the key competencies for nursing um, or healthcare, uh, as opposed to big business, would be uh, compassionate leadership. So that's a big push for us over here. And um, so when we're talking about compassion, it is defined. Um, so they're talking about being present with those who we lead and um, leading, uh, listening with fascination, which I think is um, one of your writers, Nancy Klein. 
uh, talks about listening with fascination. I so love that. Actually, I've never heard that expression, listening with fascination. I love yeah, that. Yeah, so I think it's, it's Nancy Klein, and I think she's uh, American. So uh, thank you. Thank you for Nancy for that. She's been <laughs> collaborating with some of our professors over here, principally Michael West, okay. who if I, had, if I had to choose another father, mine's gone, it would be Michael West. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so attending to people and... Uh, trying to understand the challenges because there's absolutely huge challenges as we know in healthcare at the moment. So trying to understand that, empathizing with those that we lead and helping them to lead as, as Simon Sinek says, looking, looking out for the people in our care and not necessarily being the one at the top shouting the orders. So the emphasis now for us nurses is on what's called distributive leadership. Now, when I wrote the book, I wrote it alongside student nurses. So that who because who, I, I practice a strengths and an asset based approach. So uh, far be it for me, who has been 39 years in nursing um, and a long time, a long time since I was a student and they're completely trained differently now um, to understand their worlds. I interviewed um over 20 student nurses and uh, several more senior leaders. And the overall overarching thing that I saw was that they didn't understand um, that leadership is a is a, a, a behavior, it's a process, it's not a position, and uh, it's leadership at every level. And those student nurses didn't really um, like the idea that as uh, undergraduates, they also were leaders although many of them gave me great examples of that, wearing your uniform correctly and being a role model is, is a great um, leadership behavior, for example. So, um, yeah, I think compassion, listening, emotional intelligence, because um, nursing is a very emotional process about understanding what's happening um, in terms of your own behaviors and then considering um, the behaviours and reactions of other people. That's absolutely huge for us. Um, and the other thing is that because uh, health and care is so complex, it's about systems leadership. So I, I get that you, you, you must come across that um, where you are, but um, we interact a lot um, with leaders in across the system. So um, uh, housing or criminal justice, um, certainly social care, um, uh, uh, local authorities. Um, so it, it is about understanding, student nurses understanding that it's not just about how things happen in their department or hospital or clinic. It's about how you actually interact with other disciplines to support people because we have to look at them holistically. So those are the sorts of leadership trays I would have thought we're focusing on now yeah that's fantastic I mean I think those apply a lot to what you know to a business leader as well but I think there's a part of there where you're dealing with life and death situations that um we don't deal with that you know you what you meant mentioned uh you know being empath you know empathetic and and seeing you know where people are at and how they react to 
you know, the, the stresses of the job, which is life and death that I think is probably really unique to nursing. That would be not, not something that we would have to deal with on a regular basis. So I, I can appreciate that being a very important aspect of it as well. So, so um, this new book, when does it come out? Um, it's coming out on the 15th of May. You can okay. buy it online at the, uh, you know, the e-version at the moment, but the paperbacks queue out 15th of May. Okay. So Amazon. Um, yeah, so just look at Heather Henry, nursing. You'll probably see see me there. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So how can, if people want to reach out to you or if they want to uh, find out more about you and the new book, what's the best way to do it? <laughs> well, if you if you Google my name, I'm everywhere. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> there's Heather French Henry, you know, who's a, who's a model and everything. Uh, there's somebody who does um, horror makeup and there's me. <laughs> so don't get us mixed up okay <laughs> um yeah i'm, I'm at heather henry four on uh, twitter breath okay. champs uh is on twitter and uh facebook and i have a blog called diary of the disruptor if you really want to know <laughs> yes she's she's a she's a, you're a disruptor and you, you write about it i love that uh, <laughs> Heather, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. And I wish you the best of luck in the new book. And, and those of you listening in, uh, leaders, this is a, a great resource, especially if you're in the medical community, uh, that leadership is not just something for business. It's not just something for, uh, you know, uh, nonprofits and what have you. This goes, healthcare is a big part of it. There's leaders at all level in healthcare. Nurses play an important role in that. So Heather, I appreciate you writing this book and sharing your thoughts with us today on the podcast. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. Well, thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.